0: This is Upreneur FM, the official podcast of the Upreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And And now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best selling author, Chris
1: Ducker. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 260 of Youpreneur FM. I very much appreciate you being with me today. A great show lined up. Claire Yosa is on the show this week to talk all about how we can just get through our stumbling blocks, our limiting beliefs, and just get over ourselves as entrepreneurs. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our Acceleration Training Library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums, and you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding Profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today for more info. So, myself and Claire just met very recently at the Youpreneur Summit, which took place in November last year in London. For those of you who were there, you know how great it was. And obviously, we've spoken about the event a few times since it took place. However, Claire kind of cornered me, right? She cornered me at one point. She gave me a copy of her book and she said, "I think you need to read this. Every entrepreneur needs to read this book." And uh, she said, "I'd love to come on your show if you like what you read. I'd love for you I'd love to come on the show and talk to your listeners about the limited beliefs, how we can get over our fears as entrepreneurs. And let's face it, there are a lot, right? Fear of rejection, fear of people not buying our stuff, uh, imposter syndrome, the whole kit and and why it's so important for us to just get the hell over ourselves and move past those fears and those limiting beliefs and actually continue to take consistent action so that we can go ahead and achieve our goals and serve our audiences better and obviously build a great business and so I asked Claire to come on the show after I read through some of her book and I said you know what This is something that we've not really covered on the show before, and if we have, it was so long ago that I can't remember it. So she's on the show today to talk about all these things and to help you get past whatever little barriers or blocks you might be experiencing right now. Here we go. So Claire, welcome to the show.
0: Hello, Chris. Thank you for having me.
1: It's an utter pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to this. Here we are right at the beginning of the year, and I think... What better time to, and I'm, I'm going to use the title of your book here, mm-hmm. dare to dream bigger than at the beginning of each year, right? Everybody kind of <laughs> puts new plans in place and all that kind of thing. But what I want to kind of zoom in on with you a little bit here and talk uh, at, at a good amount of length about over the next 20 to 30 minutes or so is why the hell as entrepreneurs we got to get out of our own way because... You know what, I'm, I'm all about you know people taking action and, and exactly what actions they should be taking to be able to grow their business and that sort of type of thing. But at the end of the day, I think we can also sometimes become a little trapped in our own kind of weird, warped entrepreneurial mm-hmm. world. Um, and a, a lot of people, I don't know about you, but a lot of people that I work with, they're either one or the other, they, they're, they're either hardcore action takers or they are procrastinators one or the other Um, and it's very very hard to kind of like you know convince people to stop thinking or overthinking things and ultimately just start taking action and hence the term getting out of their way so what's your what's your um, take on this particularly with entrepreneurs why do we struggle with getting out of our own way so much do you think claire
0: Well, when I talk to entrepreneurs, and I've been working with them for 17 years now, a common theme comes up over and over is every single day, there's an element of fear. Yeah, the five main entrepreneurial fears, the fear of failure, fear of success, fear of criticism, Mm -hmm. fear of rejection, and fear of lack, you know, not enough customers, not enough money. These are quite primal fears. And because we think subconsciously, and fears drive the neural pathways in our brain they feed adrenaline they shut down the actions we take we end up dreaming big but playing small you talked about overwhelm and procrastination so often when someone's procrastinating it's because they're scared of the action they secretly want to take yes yeah yes we have Self-doubt at so many levels. It can be as big as the fear of failure or it might be as small as, hey, I've just done a MailChimp training course, but I'm secretly scared that nobody's going to want to hear from me. So you don't send out the newsletters. You don't want to bother people.
1: Right. So how can we start? getting rid of some of these fears and I mean I guess this is probably right mm. at the beginning of this journey what mm. what can we do again zooming in on the entrepreneurial mind mm. for us to be able to release some of this fear and get rid of this and really kind of start start just busting them down and, and taking action
0: absolutely well you know the whole thing about feel the fear and do it anyway mm. That works when your big why or what you want to achieve is so big that it drives you through but it sets up an inner conflict okay because it's a bit of you going I'm really scared and I don't think I'm good enough to do this or nobody's going to want to hear my message and there's a bit of you saying I don't care we're going to do it so you're effectively denying that part of yourself this inner conflict means that you've created two versions of you the you that's doing it and the you that's scared. right So you're only acting with part of your resources. But there's a neuroscience problem behind this, too. Okay. The neural pathways in our brain imagine you've got a little bit of self doubt, something's happened, and maybe you're thinking, mm, that presentation didn't go so well. And you let yourself tell yourself stories about that. So these neural pathways between the synapses in your brain. It's like walking through a field of tall grass. If you just tell yourself the story once, the next day that field, the grass has sprung back up. There's no trace you were there. If you tell yourself the story with all of the emotions 20 times a day for a month, that path in the field becomes like a motorway. Yeah. Yeah. That, that means it's an autopilot. So if somebody says, could you come and do a pitch presentation, you automatically fire off all of the stress responses and all of the fears that you've rehearsed in your brain for the past month or 20 years. This also affects a bit in your brain called the reticular activating system, which filters sensory inputs. And it's a really good bit of the brain. It's why right now, Chris, you're not probably caring about the air pressure in your left ear. Because that bit of your brain is saying, I don't need to know that. These filters govern what we notice. So if you're running a self-doubt belief or a fear that say you're not good at presenting, you're going to see more reasons to prove that. It's going to back you up. It's going to prove it to you. So even if somebody says you did a brilliant job, the conversation in your head will go, yes, but, yeah. Mm. So the way this affects us as entrepreneurs is when we hit the fear when we hit those limiting beliefs, they fire off the hormones for the fight-flight-freeze response. Okay. So, yeah, so your adrenals go off, your cortisol levels, your stress levels go up, and because your body is saying, hey, I've now got to escape from a saber-toothed tiger, yeah?
1: Because, I mean, that, that that's a daily occurrence for entrepreneurs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is exactly. important stuff, kids. Start taking notes. <laughs>
0: Your brain doesn't know the difference between a real fear and what I call mind story fears. Okay? okay. It wants to protect you and keep you safe. So whether it's a saber-toothed tiger or whether it's self-doubt, it diverts the blood flow to the primal bit of your brain that's responsible for getting you up that tree
1: and <laughs> <Okay. laughs> looking down okay. and
0: waiting till the tiger's gone. It diverts blood flow from the prefrontal cortex in your brain. Now, that's the really clever bit that does all of the brilliant strategic thinking and planning. So if you're constantly running low levels of stress and fear, you don't have access to the bit of your brain that creates breakthroughs. Yeah. Mm, okay. You're, you're going to be sitting in a meeting. Somebody will ask you a question and the level of answer you can give is severely restricted by the stress that the fear or belief creates, if you try and push through the fear, you actually crank that up, yeah? You actually make it worse. So you will be sat there, for example, in a media interview, ask a question, and you will give a guff answer. It's why politicians, for example, they constantly run at this level of stress it's why it's so hard to get anything other than a well rehearsed answer from them because they don't have access to the bit of the brain that right. gives them the brilliant answers.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and this this to me is kinda of, I mean, it's like it's mm. it's like it's like a bloody roller coaster, isn't it? It's like an it's a horrible Emotional roller coaster. Where obviously we want to be on our, we want to be on our, on, on on the top of our game. But you know, we also understand that we've got to be human, right? At the same yeah. time, we we've got to react to a certain degree. And I remember not so long ago, we had Darren Hardy, who was the uh, the ex um, editor of Success Magazine, and he was talking about the entrepreneurial roller coaster that is being a business owner. And but this is this is kind of like a different type of coasters, It's almost like, and I'm sure, and I'm, I'm going to bring this up, I'm sure imposter syndrome comes into play a lot with this, right? And it's something that a lot yeah. of people are talking about right now. How does that work into this kind of self-inflicted fear-mongering that we have? And, and, and what can we do to push through that and understand that, you know, imposter syndrome is a real thing. Like this is a mm. real thing that we're having to deal with more and more so today than ever before mm. because of social media and, and all the rest of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So imposter syndrome is one of the biggest issues that I see with my one-to-one clients, because you get to a certain level of success and you've been able to work work your way around these hidden fears and beliefs. And then suddenly an opportunity comes up and you go, who am I to do this? Who's going to listen to me? Those little 3 a.m. doubts take over. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. You can't think your way out of a fear that your mind created. Yeah. So, for example, taking a, a completely different example. Last month, I went on holiday to one of my favorite places in Turkey. Ever since I joined the university parachute club, I've been terrified of flying without a parachute on my back. OK, and I also studied engineering and we used to do loads of case studies at uni about how planes fall out of the air. So that set up a pretty strong primal fear of flying for me. Right. And I went out to my tribe on social media and said, guys, look, I've really got to sort this fear of flying. I would get ill for a whole day before the flight because I was so stressed. And so many people came back just saying, oh, just stop being so irrational. Just use logic. Look mm. at the statistics. Mm. Flying is safe. You know how much difference that made, Chris?
1: Yeah. Huge. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely nothing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Because you can't think your way out of a fear that your mind created. So I had to go deeper than that, and I had to ask myself, "What's really true here? What's real behind this fear? What is the fear doing for me?" So this is one of the big drivers for for imposter syndrome. Is something psychologists called secondary gain. What is this crazy behavior, this fear, this belief doing for me? How is it helping me? Because at some level. It's meeting an unmet need. For me, with flying, I realized I had this utterly crazy belief that I was single-handedly responsible for keeping the plane in the air, <laughs> even though I wasn't the pilot.
1: As, as do all passengers, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's
0: an example of how crazy the beliefs behind something like imposter syndrome yes. can be. Yes. Yeah. The external evidence of our success, the feedback from our customers is no longer enough. Yeah. The mind stories we've told ourselves have created those motorways in the brain that means something has triggered us into that fear. Yeah. So, for example, for me, for imposter syndrome, um, I've spent the last three years running the EU VAT action campaign with Juliet McKenna, getting a tiny piece of EU legislation change that accidentally closed down thousands of businesses overnight, I had to do things like keynotes at the European Parliament, which, believe me, knowing that potentially a million businesses were relying on us convincing these people to help us was quite scary. I ran some pretty big imposter syndrome over that. Hmm. So the first thing I did was make my big why bigger than me. Yeah. When you make it about more than you, then you help yourself breathe. You help cut those stress levels. You help yourself find... Different ways of approaching it, different ways of thinking about it. Yeah.
1: So, this is really, this is, I mean, this with this is us. I mean, this is the perfect, Mm. you know, thing right here at the beginning of the year. We've got to get, we Mm. really truly do have to get out of our own way. And not just that, but like, I think it it probably goes beyond just our fears, right? Is it, Mm. is it also about, what people think about us? Is it Mm -hmm. how we're we're perceived by our industry peers and, and, and this sort of type of thing as well?
0: Absolutely. The thing is that even if your industry peers are telling you you're brilliant, look at Sheryl Sandberg, for example, who admitted publicly she runs imposter syndrome. She is one of the most successful women on the planet. She's got the accolades from the industry. She's got the salary and the job that proves she can do what she can do those secret 3 a.m. doubts still get in the way. So one of the things that you can really do to help with this is firstly getting grounded. And by that, what I mean is getting out of your story head, back into your body. Because when we're stuck in our story head, those thought processes, those motorways in the brain, it's very hard to control them. When you get back in the body and you do deep belly breathing, You actually reset the fight, flight, freeze response. You get access to all the bits of your brain. You can start calming down. You're no longer running in fear. That can often be enough to give you the clarity to realize that it is just a story you're telling yourself. Yeah. Mm. Something else that you can do is really look at, well, who am I? Is what I found with clients is imposter syndrome comes up when you're about to take a huge growth leap Yeah. When who you're allowing yourself to be in the world is different from who you perceive yourself to be at the moment. That's why these questions come up like, the who am I to stand on stage in front of 2000 people? Yeah. Who am I to send a weekly newsletter to an email list of strangers? Yeah. When You get the clarity over what it is you're creating and why. How are you helping people? You know, those people lying awake at night dreaming for the solution that only you can offer. And you clear out your inner blocks. You really hold yourself accountable on the stories that most of us don't even admit we're telling each other. Then taking the inspired action becomes easier. And I've also got a visualization that I run with my students on this that mm-hmm. really helps you to imagine yourself in that future version of you that can do whatever it is you're secretly scared of. Yeah. Okay. It, it allows you to to really feel how it will feel to be the person that's happy to do that, who enjoys doing that. And if you do this visualization for five minutes every day, within just a week, it's starting to rewire your brain. It's starting to address those fears at a level that goes so much deeper than the thinking mind. And I'd love to offer that meditation. I don't want to do it live now because people will be driving their cars listening to this. Yes.
1: (laughs) Close your eyes and start to breathe deeply, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> get ready to crash into a tree or something no i yeah let's try and avoid any sort of hospitalizations for our exactly. listeners if possible so so can we you, you've put this i believe you put this on like a special uh url for people to be able to download directly right
0: i absolutely have um and it's a meditation that's helped many thousands of people so far getting through imposter syndrome getting through self-doubt Good. without having to do the sticky plasters okay so it, it's at claire com forward slash Uprener. Very okay. easy to find.
1: Good, yes, excellent. And we'll for you guys listening in, we'll uh, we'll make sure that we list that on the on the show notes mm-hmm. at uh, chrisducker.com forward slash episode two six zero for you on that as well. Um, okay, so visualize it. You know, this is great because this is you, you know we had obviously not not so long ago a couple of months ago we were in London um, and we were doing the, you know the Upno Summit. You were in attendance, I remember, mm-hmm. and you it know, was we, amazing. Thank you very much. And we had Carrie Green um Mm. on stage and she was talking about how she uses visualization as well um in her business to get over fears and doubts and things like that too so clearly there is you know that's two people you know within the last Mm. couple of months who have been in front of me talking about this you spoke to me about it and i said you know that's a great idea for a show we've got to get you on 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 Mm. the podcast to talk through this it's obviously something that is used by Thousands and thousands of people. Some of us maybe more than others. Um, I I have to be honest. I've not used visualization per se all that much in my life, except for um there have been several times. And I guess it's probably different for, for different people in different forms, right? But there have been yep. se- you know several times in my life where I have I visualized, for example filling up um an office full of employees uh mm-hmm. you know we've we've created a beautiful office now it's time to fill it up and make the money back or um for instance with the upana summit i visualized the fact that you know what i wanted 200 people there but then when we sold the 200th ticket i said to myself you know what i wonder if we can get the max capacity in there with those round tables, which is 360 people, and we basically did mm. it. Did I visualize it? Yes. But, I mean, did I sit there with my eyes shut and, you know, some some mantra music playing in the background? No, <laughs> I, I I didn't. But did I visualize standing in front of that crowd and saying, holy moly, there's 360 people there. This is great. Yes, I did. It's different, right, for some people than exactly. it is for others.
0: Exactly. And whether you're visualizing a goal or visualizing something about changing yourself is a different process, too. And I want to let you in on a secret, Chris, is I can't visualize because I don't think in pictures. Okay. Okay. so for decades, when people told me, oh, just visualize, you know, the whole law of attraction and your dreams will come true. It never worked for me (laughs) because I (laughs) don't have pictures in my head. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So when I when I get people visualizing, it's actually a full body experience. So Ooh. if you've tried visualization in the past, if you're listening to this now and it's not worked for you, this technique might well be what convinces you. And I use it every morning. So I meditate every morning. I'm also a meditation teacher. I do it before I get out of bed. I also use techniques like EFT and tapping. If I know I've got a block or a resistance or a fear, because often the thinking mind just justifies it. You know, the backfire effect. If you tell somebody they're wrong, they dig their heels in to justify their position. Your mind is the same. So every morning I do my meditation. I tap on anything that I feel a tension in my body. You know, if I... If I say, well, I can't do that because rather than diving into the story, I just ask myself, right, where in my body is that? Because every tension is stored somewhere in the body. If you imagine just letting that soften and melt away, then you'll find that the resistance goes. And then if I've got something really exciting or really important to do, I just visualize becoming the person that's done it. So I might not visualize a room full of people, but I might visualize being the person who motivated a room full of people to come and join me. That's the difference in the way I use it. How would that work for you, Chris?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I you know, until you try certain things, I mean, I'm yeah. always a big believer of taking action and trying things. Yeah. Um, the perfect example is 2012 when I had my back surgery i had a an Mm. l5s1 spinal fusion which yes it sounds just (laughs) as painful as it bloody was (laughs) i can tell you um and and i remember you know my my wife at the time um was, you know, very, very concerned for me in regards to my recovery. And the doctors were saying, like, you know, it could take a full year and lots of physio and all. And I was like, sod that. Like, there's no way in the world I'm going to do a year of, 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 you know, physiotherapy to get over this thing. We have to figure out a, a quicker way to do it than this. And so. Through a lot of prodding and poking and Googling and a lot of other stuff, um, we, we, we touched base with a number of different people, uh, predominantly in the United States, that had had the same surgery and had recovered quickly. And we found that there was two things that came up over and over and over again with, these, with this group of people. And that was number one, that they swam. They went swimming mm-hmm. for three or four times a week on average as part of their physiotherapy. And the second thing was that they all did some kind of light yoga, mm-hmm. and so okay fine i 've never done yoga before in my life, but uh, you know, I like to swim, so I guess if I can do one, I can do the other. so I threw myself into it um, in a very gentle way, obviously um and I was off pain meds within a month I was up and walking around and back to work, like really solidly back to work within sort of six weeks. And Mm. I was pretty much back to normal within, I'd say, four months or so. And I'm 100% sure it was because Mm. of the fact that I was swimming almost every day and I was practicing yoga several times a week with my wife. Now, my wife fell in love with yoga as a result, became a certified teacher, has now done 400 hours of teacher training um, and has traveled around the world for workshops and seminars and, you know, all this sort of type of thing. So it, it was also a bit of an awakening for her. As well, but it all came down to just taking that, I guess, that inspired action that we had got Mm -hmm. from the people that we had touched base with in one way, shape, or form, who had basically gone through the exact same procedure as i had um, and uh, funnily enough one person that i had already always looked up to um, as a basketball player because i played basketball in school and uh, even represented england a, as an under 21 was uh, larry bird with the boston celtics who actually had exactly the same procedure done as i did but guess what he wasn't swimming, and he wasn't doing yoga, and it fundamentally finished his career. So mm. you know, <laughs> swings and yeah. roundabouts and all that. But you know, I thought I'd share that with you because I think yeah. a, a lot of a lot of people tuning in could kind of understand that this is not always just about you know accepting that meditation is good or visualization mm. is good for you, but also taking that inspired action for me, without a doubt, was you know the key to uh, you know to my recovery when it came to that particular surgery.
0: So you'd done three things that I recommend everybody does. You'd got total clarity about the outcome you wanted, Chris. Okay. You had you'd cleared out your blocks because you believed it would work. You were open to the possibility of it succeeding. Yes. And you took the inspired action consistently yeah Mm. Mm. there's i actually i'm a yoga teacher too and i often do yoga with entrepreneurs to help them clear blocks that the mind is too attached to because you can always work at different levels yeah and one of the words one there's a sanskrit word that's my favorite sanskrit word for growing your business and it's exactly what you did to heal your back and it's abhyasa and it means roughly translated keeping going even when you're not in the mood Yeah, and that will be what you did. If you'd just done the yoga and the swimming once. It would have had minimal effect. You've Nothing. made a commitment, yeah. you'd said yes, and you took the inspired action consistently. And I'm guessing there were days where you didn't want to swim or do yoga, but oh, you still did. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Because I was in pain for one reason or another, or I was, you know, I'd been up in pain all night and I was tired or whatever the case mm. may be. But I pushed through because I knew that if I wanted to recover in a much shorter time span than twelve months, I, I was gonna have to do it. Simple as that.
0: Mm, And you did. And that's amazing. And we can do that with our businesses when we know what it is we want. And so often we actually lack that clarity and we're trying to do 50 things at once, which is a sign actually of imposter syndrome and hidden fears distracting us. Mm. When we then clear out the blocks, there's a really simple way to spot your blocks. Okay, you think about something you really want to do that scares you a little where maybe you flinch a bit when you think about it, but it's important to you. And you just answer this question with at least seven responses. I can't do that because, okay, I can't do that because when you get to answers four, five, six and seven, that is your hidden fears, the hidden self-doubts, the blocks, the excuses, the beliefs that are in the way. Carl Jung said awareness is the first key to change. Once you know what those stories are, you can do something about them until you know what they are they're actually running the show without you realizing it's like the beliefs we picked up at the age of seven are governing how we run our business Mm. so i can't do that because gives you access to what those hidden blocks are
1: gosh i love that god how good is that (laughs) that's great i mean it it should be on it should be on the front page of your website (laughs) if it's not (laughs) you know Oh, dear. Maybe
0: it will be by tomorrow. Can I share a story with you about how that helped me when I was publishing Dare to Dream Bigger with imposter syndrome? I would
1: love to do that. Absolutely. Go ahead.
0: So not many people know this, but Dare to Dream Bigger, it's like the culmination of 15 years of working in this field. The night before the manuscript was due at the printer, I deleted it from my computer. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now I'd already paid for it to be printed. (laughs) I had had a team of 30 people helping me as my review team to make sure this book was great. I knew it got results. None of that logic mattered. At 3am that morning, everything came up about the who am I to do this? Who am I to publish this book? Who am I to say I can even help people? Yeah. And I listened to those fears, deleted the manuscript completely stupid thing to do but Mm. I deleted it really thoroughly there was no trace of it at all on my computer and then I kind of looked in the mirror and said look this is actually really stupid I really want to do this people have already told me they want to read the book I had all the pre-orders to satisfy so I did my work you know I can't publish this book because I came up with my answers. I dealt with them, found the manuscript on the backup drive, gave myself a pat on the back, got it to the printer, vowed mm-hmm. I would never do that with a project again because that was actually quite a scary thing to do. <laughs> I'd just published my first novel and I'd run a belief for 30 years that I couldn't write a story. And I didn't think I was an author. I've published five nonfiction books. I wasn't an author because I'd not published a story. And... So I did the inside work I do. I looked at what it was. You know, I had this calling this last summer really to write a story, to publish a novel. I hadn't even ever told my kids a made up bedtime story because Mm -hmm. I believed this this belief that was a throwaway comment from an English teacher at school that had become such a strong part of my identity that it meant I couldn't do something I dreamed of doing for the age of six. I cleared out that block this summer. Within two days, I drafted seven novels. Within three months, I'd written two of them. And five months later, the first one is in the shop. And guess what? I didn't delete the manuscript the night before it went to the printer. I have been out there sharing the book with people, really feeling okay about whether they love it or whether they hate it, because I know it's the best book I could create. And I know that the people who are meant to read it will love it and I'm so chuffed to have taken that journey because it opens up the box within which we we live is is governed by our beliefs and our fears that box took a massive stretch by me doing something that had scared me so much that for 30 years I hadn't lived the dream
1: Mm. I love and you know I love the fact that you've gotten over your own fears there uh, Mm. and that you took your your own amount of inspired action to get to get that book out there um what is the title of of the novel
0: you take yourself with you i love it it's all about it's all about how we get in the way of our own happiness
1: i think that's great we're going to link to that in the show notes along with everything else make sure you get a a, a good pen and paper out, everybody and um we'll make sure that uh, you know you find everything else that you need to know about claire and what she does uh, show notes are going to be over at com forward slash episode two six zero as i said a little earlier on claire it was a real pleasure to have you on thank you all for for coming on and, and really genuinely getting us thinking about this a little bit right at the beginning of the year it was great to have you
0: Thank you. And I'd just like to say for everyone listening, if things like secondary gain, limiting beliefs, those fears have been an issue for you, I've actually got some mentoring worksheets for you over on the bonus page that you can download. So you can actually go through yourself. I'm going to give you the questions I would give you if we were in a one-to-one session. So you can figure out what your blocks are, how you can handle them. I've got some bonus video training over there of the stuff I do myself. Love it, And it's all there as my gift because if just one person listening to this dares to dream a bit bigger and actually goes and takes that inspired action and makes a bigger difference in the world, then I am over the moon. Thank you for listening.
1: It'll make all the difference, wouldn't it? Fantastic. Claire, thanks again for coming on. I very much appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Chris.
1: And for you guys tuning in, I thank you for tuning in one more time. You know, I often say that every single week you could be tuning in to somebody else's show, but the fact that you download mine in the tens of the thousands that you do every single week, it really, truly does warm my cold British heart. And uh, it's a real pleasure to have your attention. I don't take it for granted. I'll see you again next week. Until then, take good care. Goodbye for now. I'll see you on the inside.